I'm Alec Lace. Welcome to First Class Fatherhood. Welcome, everybody, to episode 368 of the podcast. I am happy, as always, to be here with you. Thank you for stopping by. If this is your first time listening to the podcast, please get over there and bang that subscribe button. You do not want to miss all the action that's coming your way right here on First Class Fatherhood. All right, dads, I have an awesome guest returning to the podcast today. Dean Kane is an actor and filmmaker who last appeared on First Class Fatherhood back on episode 47. Dean was the very first celebrity to appear on the podcast. I am forever grateful to him for coming on a very little-known show at the time to talk about fatherhood with me. Dean shared the episode with his followers on social media, and the downloads just exploded and pushed First Class Fatherhood to the number one spot on iTunes for kids and family. And I quickly seized on that opportunity from the momentum, and I scored interviews with dads such as Navy SEAL Rob O'Neill, who killed Osama bin Laden, skateboarding legend Tony Hawk, NFL Hall of Famers Deion Sanders, Kurt Warner, and so many other dads uh, that joined me on the podcast here that just catapulted the popularity of the show and really put First Class Fatherhood on the map. And Dean Kane is a wonderful example of what a father should be. He is a well-spoken actor who is outspoken about what he believes in. He is also a reserve police officer and a big supporter of our U.S. military. It is a tremendous honor for me to welcome him back to the podcast here. Dean Kane will be with me in just a few minutes, so please stick around for the interview. And today's interview with Dean Kane was recorded on video and is available for you guys to watch on my YouTube channel. So if you would like to watch the conversation between Superman and myself, please subscribe to my YouTube channel. The link is in the description of today's podcast episode. All right, and I hope everybody out there enjoyed their Father's Day weekend. Of course, every day is Father's Day right here on First Class Fatherhood. If you missed my last episode with Secretary of State Mike Pompeo, please flip it back to episode 367 and take a listen. Tomorrow on the podcast, Kyron Gibson will be here. His videos on social media have gone viral in which he's discussing finances and investing with his very young son. And Friday, we're going to have another dad returning to the podcast here for a second visit for a Frogman Friday. Navy SEAL Brent Gleason will be returning to the podcast to close out the week. Make sure you guys follow me on Instagram at Alec underscore Lace to find out who else will be joining me here. And as always, please help me spread the word about this podcast to every father in your neighborhood or in your contact list. Let them know about the show that's here celebrating fatherhood and family life. Fatherhood rocks, family values rule, and every day is Father's Day right here with me. And I'm going to be right back with actor Dean Kane. I'm Alec Lace, and you're listening to First Class Fatherhood. All right, dads, today's episode is being brought to you in part by Bottle Breacher. Bottle Breacher was founded by former Navy SEAL and former guest on First Class Fatherhood, Eli Crane. Bottle Breacher provides handcrafted 50 caliber bottle openers made by active duty service members and veterans. The staff at Bottle Breacher used to use 50 caliber ammunition to defend our country downrange. Now they use them to provide the best man gifts, groomsman gifts, and promotional products on the market. Open your next cold one in style, and First Class Fatherhood listeners can save 20% off their entire order by using the promo code FATHERHOOD. Visit BottleBreacher.com and use the promo code FATHERHOOD at the checkout to save 20% off your order. Believe me, once you see them, you're going to want to get one, and once you use it, you're never going to want to open another bottle without it. Go to BottleBreacher.com and use that promo code FATHERHOOD to save 20% off your order and open your next cold one in style. Uh, joining me now, First Class Father, Dean Kane. Welcome back to First Class Fatherhood. Alec, I'm happy to be here, my friend. And you've done very well for yourself since we last spoke. Yeah, and Dean, I owe a lot of that to you. Since I had you on the show, it really blew up on me here. I've had the opportunity to speak to some really uh, incredible dads, and I really owe a lot of that to you. So thank you so much, Dean. Well, thank you for what you're doing. I think it's amazing, 
and fatherhood doesn't get enough uh, attention for sure. It's one of the problems we're having in society big time right now here in America. Yeah, I'm going to get to that in just a second here. Let's get an update on uh, let's get an update on your son uh, Christopher here. How old is he now, and how's he making out? June 11th, 20 years old. Uh, he's doing fantastically well. He took a gap year before he went to college, so we traveled to 23 different. Well, I went to 23. He went to like 16 different countries, 13, 16, and <clears throat> had a blast. Learned about the world. Sat down with a few like six world leaders and mayors and important people all over the world. So it was really an eye-opening experience for him, and I had a wonderful time traveling with him. Then he uh, finished, just finished his first uh, semester as a freshman at High Point University in North Carolina. I only have visited him. You know, they got shut down for the sec- after spring break. They got shut down. But up until then, I had only visited him like 11 times. So <laughs> there was no big deal there. <laughs> I miss him, but he's back home with me now and uh, doing so well. I'm so proud of the young man he's become. Yeah, awesome, Dean. Yeah, I know everybody's, uh, it must be tough first year at college to have it end this way. I know for so many people, they missed out on so much in the first year. Last year, I mean, it's affected so many people here. Um, Especially the athletes. I really feel for the athletes who trained for their senior seasons uh, and things like that and just got cut. That's just horrific. Uh, Fortunately for my son, he didn't miss much. It wasn't a big sacrifice for him. He was ready to come home. Yeah, what was it like for you, Dean, to finally uh, to send them to college? I know you said you took the gap year and everything. What was it like for you to actually have to uh, send them off? You know, it's funny. I, I, I thought, I'm, here I am, I'm going to be an empty nester. What am I going to do with my house? Well, turns out that, like I said, I visited them 11 times. I traveled like a mad person. My parents moved in with me for like four months. All kinds of stuff was going on. And so I never was here without him. I still haven't gone through the empty nest syndrome, but I'm going to be okay when that happens. You know, uh, I like my alone time. I just miss my kid. He literally is my favorite human being on the planet. He's the person I want to hang out with the most um, and the person I want to be around with the most. So I'm just going to miss him. But, uh, you know, it's our job as parents to raise our kids to, to, to be able to exist without their parents and make their, you know, be independent and, it's a thankless job because at the end they just leave you and go create their own lives. But that's what we want. And he's doing a really good job. Yeah, well said. And now that you did, now he is out there in the college world. What kind of advice or how have you handled so far him hitting the dating scene? What kind of advice have you given him so far? Well, considering that his girlfriend is here at the house with him, um, uh, <laughs> he's literally <laughs> broken every rule I gave him from the get-go. He literally listened to nothing I said on that front. Uh, but he's got a lovely girl, and they're very happy together. But it's very funny. I was, <laughs> he just, you know, when it comes to love, you can give advice, but uh, and, and and then there's times where you have to talk them. You know, this what ha- this this happens in relate. It just how it's interesting how it changes from you know wash your face and brush your teeth and go to bed and clean up after yourself to okay, let me explain relationships. This <laughs> <laughs> she said this, but this is what she's really saying to you. So you know. <laughs> It was really interesting, um, and it's a lot of fun. And he comes to me and talks to me really openly about what's going on. And, um, you know, we're closer than ever. But he just doesn't – he'll hear me, but I'm not sure he listens to me on, on uh, relationship advice. Uh, but he's got a good head on his shoulder, so I'm not too upset. And his girlfriend's a sweetheart. Like I said, they're here. They've been here since spring break with me. Yeah, that's good. So, yeah, I'm, I'm still kind of callousing my mind for that uh, to come. My oldest is only 14, so I have the four of them to go through all this yet. So – uh, luckily I've had a lot of great advice from so many awesome men here to help me, uh, you know, what's coming for me, driving girls, the whole bit. So it's um, so hot. It's so tough because 
as good as you are as a parent and as on top of like my son and I, there was just the two of us, stuff still gets by. And there's just nothing you can do except to talk about it. And when something happens that doesn't meet your standards uh, or, the, or the values that you've taught your son, um, you have to have those conversations. And it's not fun. And you still love them, and you let them know you still love them, but you go, this is why I said this, this is what this means, and that's not responsible behavior. And now you've learned it. I can tell you the fire's hot, but until you stick your hand in the fire and feel that burn, you don't really understand it. But now you do. This is why I advise you this, this, and this. But it, it's it's amazing. Uh, man, four boys, 14. No, three, four, three boys, one girl. Three boys. One, is she last? Is she the last She's the one? last one. She's five. So I got a while to go yet, so hopefully yeah. – I'm in a better place when she hits the scene. She's got three older brothers, too, so there's yeah. just a lot to that. Well, um, you, you, let's put it this way. A young man is going to really have to like her a lot to go through what he's going to have to go through to date that young lady. The yeah. dad, the brothers, mom, woo-wee. Yeah. Yeah, a, um, a lot of barriers to go through before he gets to me. So. <laughs> That's a good thing. And, and I can tell you this much. This is why I think, you know, parenting is so important, Dean. And right now we're seeing it. Like, I can tell you this much. If I had caught one of my kids uh, throwing bricks through windows or looting a store, he would have to pray that the police found him and not me. And I think that's why we're seeing such a, a problem. We have this fatherless crisis I talk about all the time on my show. I know you're a, uh, a reservist there with the, uh, the St. Anthony Police Department. Right now we're hearing these calls for uh, defunding the police. What kind of feedback have you gotten from the police officers that you're close with about all that? Well, I'm actually moved departments to Pocatello in Idaho. So now we're in Pocatello, bigger department, bigger reach for us. Um, and it's really nice. Um, police officers, listen, police officers are some of the most wonderful human beings I've ever met. Men, women, they're there to protect and serve. Yes, there are instances where things go wrong. Um, but, you know, for example, in my department, you know, uh, the, the Sir Robert Peel's nine policing principles is a big deal. And it's all about a community involvement and engagement and that sort of a thing where you're, you're not ruling over people. You're there to work with them. And if you have to, the less that you have to do as a police officer, the better job you've done working with your community. And so the way people are vilifying the police right now uh, in, this, in this situation, I think is absolutely heartbreaking and terrible. Wrong, wrong, wrong. I've been to countries where you can't trust the police force for real. Here you have, you know, if you have a bad, uh, you know, a negative contact with a police officer, you have much recourse. Comply, and then after the situation's finished, you can you can file complaints, you can do things. That officer in, in Minneapolis, Minnesota, you know, he, uh, with the George Floyd case, he had, I think, 13 complaints against him. There was something there, and somehow that wasn't dealt with. That's a problem. His policing at that moment was a real problem. I was speaking to an officer yesterday who is, teaches us and works with us on this and said, listen, I couldn't even watch it. It was so disturbing. It's everything we're taught not to do. So that's why that guy's in jail for murder. And he should be. And that's a terrible thing. But, you know, my son still respects the police to death. Um, and, and I respect the police. as a, I, I wait to them now, try to give them some encouragement, support as things are going on here. And, and a lot of this now, if my son had gone out there and thrown a brick through a window. Myself, I will drag his ass to the police department myself. And he and I together will go back and we'll repair that. That's what that's what I would do. There's no way that I would let my son. I asked a question on Twitter. I said, where the hell are all the parents? Where are the parents of all of these kids? Because I see so many young people out there. Do it. Now, listen, 
protesting, peaceful protest, absolutely fine. It's our First Amendment. It should be there. I respect it. I appreciate it. I would fight to support it. But, you, but rioting and looting, absolutely the wrong thing to do. And I draw the line there. And if my son was involved in any of that stuff, if he even went dressed that way, we're going to have a problem. Yeah, very well said, Dean. And I think I think a lot of us are in unison. I think that's the popular demand is that we all support protesting and we're all against uh, the, the rioting and the looting that we saw. And like you said, I put it out there. Tell me, I don't understand. I think we have such a, a parenting problem and not as much of a policing problem in our country. And I think more parents, uh, especially fathers, like I said, in so many communities, we're seeing the devastating results of kids that are growing up with no father in their home. They're not they don't have that that fear. I used to have that as a kid. Wait till your father gets home. That was enough threat to keep me straight and narrow, you know, and then a lot of kids when they don't have that, uh, there's no limitations on what they're going to do. Yeah, I got the wait till your father gets home. Remember that there was a show called wait till your father gets home. <laughs> yeah. There was a show called wait till your father gets home and the whole thing. And my dad, my dad is five foot. He says he's five, nine. I'm adopted. He's my adopted father. We talked about this last time. Yep. He's the strongest influence in my life. Um, he adopted me when I was four. But when, when he's five, he says he's five, nine, maybe he used to be cause he ain't now. Um, <laughs> but he gets real tall when he's angry and you know, he'd come back from a long day at work and exhausted and have to deal with, you know, this idiot doing something stupid and uh you know sometimes i would get the he says he never cracked the belt on me but i got the belt a couple times you got to do it once to know that what the belt is but uh i got smacked a little bit and i deserved all of it and he did it in a very controlled manner and it wasn't like you know sit there and spank me for half an hour you know he would do that have a reaction we'd have a conversation then i'd get punished of course but then i don't know probably 30 minutes later he'd always come back in sit with me calmly, explain why he did what he did, why this thing has to stick, and that he loves me very much, and that's the reason, and that, and that we always had that conversation. So I made sure I've always done that with my son. If we get in some sort of an altercation, argument over something, where I'm seriously upset and maybe I get on him a little bit hard, I will come back in half hour later after I've cooled down and the situation is diffused and explain to him how much I love him, why I'm saying what I'm saying, and that's it, and just sort of quash the beef there but having that father made all the difference in the world for me and i feel terrible for those who don't have that situation and and that's a huge number of young men and women unfortunately in this country yeah and it's not to take anything away from the single moms that are out there that are holding oh. it down because they, they're you know it, it's incredible what they do i mean you don't have the support i know just from having four kids if i didn't have my wife i'd be like how the hell would i do this like you know so it's <laughs> It's um, it's it's hard to do it. I know you've been a single dad, and you know what it's all about. And uh, it, it's not an easy thing. We need that balance in our kids' lives. And now, not only do they not get that at home, we have this culture where every kid gets a trophy, every kid makes the team. So they're not they're they're always used to getting their way and never having to be disciplined in a harsh manner. I think we're seeing those results all play out across societies in America right now. I think you're dead right. Do you ever see that Kia commercial? where the, 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 the dad's walking back with his kid and they just won. I think it's a Kia commercial. It's a car commercial. And the guy, dad's walking back with his kid and they just won the championship of some soccer game or something. He's walking back. He's so proud of his kid. And he's like, yeah, way to go. And he gets a trophy. He looks at it and says, participant. And he's like, participant. Yeah. You know, he put like champion on it. You know, that, uh, uh, the, the every kid gets a trophy culture uh, is, is a problem. And I, I've disagreed with it from the very beginning. You should get a, a, a handshake and a well done. But if you're not the, the, the top player doing something, you know, very special, 
you shouldn't get the participation trophy. You're, you know what I mean? Okay, you can get a participation. I play Call of Duty with my son. He's really good. I'm not so good. And sometimes at the end, they give these little they give you these little awards at the thing. Right, yeah. And sometimes I get one that says participant. When I get participant, I am furious with myself because it's like slapping me in the face. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I think people should be, you know, encouraged and and uh, and appreciated and, and and such like that. But you can't just say to everybody, "You're the MVP." You get one. One's the MVP, and the others, you know, you're you're you're, you're a great goalie. You're a great you know, tackle, you're a great center, you're a great defensive back, but you're, you know, we, we get one. There's one MVP of the NFL, and there's a reason it should be. Yeah, and I, we just all watched that documentary about Michael Jordan, and there was a guy I that was cut. It. He was cut from his high school team, and it, that changed his life. And now today's, would that have changed? He would have made the team automatically like everybody else, and would that have lit that fuse under him? So I think we take that away from our kids, and we don't give them those obstacles to overcome on their own, and then they're never equipped with it when they face failure in the future. So I think we do them a disservice by that all the way around. And, and I wanted I to get to that 100%. And the last time I, you know, I had you on here, uh, it was later that year you came out with the movie Gosnell, which I thought was a phenomenal movie. Uh, what kind of feedback did you get from that movie? And did your son get a chance to watch it? And did you have those conversations with him? All right, dads, if you're looking for a great night's sleep, you have got to get a MyPillow. Guaranteed the most comfortable pillow you'll ever own. There's a reason why my pillows are flying off the shelf, and that's because it is a first-class product that's made right here in the United States of America. And the comfort doesn't stop with just the MyPillow. Check out MyPillow.com, and you'll see a whole wide variety of comfortable products, such as towel sets, Giza Dream Sheets, mattress toppers, MyPillow bathrobes, pajama sets, and so much more. You guys have heard my interview with First Class Father and MyPillow founder Mike Lindell right here on the podcast. And right now, First Class Fatherhood listeners can save up to 66% off their orders. That's right, up to 66% off on MyPillow.com by using the promo code FATHERHOOD. Or simply call 1-800-875-0219 and your savings will be instantly applied. Don't go another night without a MyPillow. Visit MyPillow.com and use the promo code FATHERHOOD or call 1-800-875-0219 and save up to 66% off your order on MyPillow. And the last time I, you know, I had you on here, uh, it was later that year you came out with the movie Gosnell, which I thought was a phenomenal movie. Uh, what kind of feedback did you get from that movie? And did your son get a chance to watch it? And did you have those conversations with him? Yes. So, uh, the, first of all, the, the, the film got tremendous feedback. It got, um, it, it was considered controversial. All we did was tell the story of Kermit Gosnell. We told his story and it's extremely accurate. In fact, everything said in the courtroom was taken verbatim from courtroom transcripts. Um, and the things that we saw, we were filming in, in what was supposed to be his, um, his clinic. And we're shooting in there, and it's so disgusting. And there's cats, and there's plastic bags with feces. And, I, mean, I mean, with, I'm sorry, with, with, with feces, but also with fetuses. And th- there's just everything around. Cat feces are here. You have a bag with fetus, you know, fetuses in a, in a plastic bag. You have jars full of like b- baby feet. I mean, just stuff you couldn't imagine. And I, so I said to the director, I go, Hey, listen, you know, I get what we're doing here, but this is too much. I mean, let's, let, we don't want people to like think that and he said, he goes, you think it's too much? Really? He goes, take a look at this. And he pulled up video for me of the actual raid in the actual clinic. And it looked exactly the same. Wow. I was just flabbergasted, stunned. Now, 
the thing about me for, for me is, is I've always been, and I still am, uh, I believe in a woman's right to choose. And that gets people, makes their head go crazy. I am pro-life myself. You give me the option, that's what I want to do. But I wouldn't legislate that a woman couldn't terminate a pregnancy. And they want to say it's women's reproductive health. No, they don't want to say terminating a pre pregnancy because that's what it is. It's an abortion. I support a woman's right to do so. I do. And, and, and I, I wouldn't take it away from anybody. But in my life, I want the child. I want the child. I am pro-life in that sense, in my own personal life. But I wouldn't legislate what other people have to do I, in that sense. Uh, until viability. If I were a legislator, that's how I would do things. Now, that film, so because of that film, you know, nobody asked me what my my personal views were before I made the film. And and when they when I was shooting the film, people were out there like, so you're pro, pro-life. pro Well, yes, I'm pro-life, but I wouldn't legislate it that way. I believe a woman has the right to choose until viability. And that's controversial to a lot of people. If somebody is like, I'm pro-life 100%, and I don't believe that any pregnancy should be terminated, I say, okay, I, I respect your opinion, I, I'm not going to legislate that for other people myself. That's just my opinion. And I can have that conversation. Gosnell, you know, that film, everybody just went firebrand on that thing because because of what it talked about. But all it did was discuss how this man who was, he's an enigma. There's I've never seen anybody like this guy play classical piano and then at the same time induce birth in these women, low-income women, uh, induced birth instead of doing the procedure D and E, which is which is tough and expensive, and it's a horrible you know it's a if you were a late term pregnancy if someone were to see what that is I, I'm not sure they could ever support it again. And I encourage people to go take a look at that. Um, but he would ha he would induce birth because it's cheaper. The baby would be born alive, and they would snip the spinal cord with with scissors. One of the most horrific things I can even imagine, and. Because of that, it was an absolute firebrand because people didn't want to hear the truth of what this guy did. Um, I was very proud that the film went out. I was glad, even with all of the obstacles that we faced, no studio wanted to make it. No studio wanted to release it. Nobody wanted to, to have it out there. Um, it's kind of like what they're doing now. You can't sanitize stories. You, you take They just took cops off the air. They took, they're taking, um, they, they just, HBO or something like that just pulled Gone with the Wind. I mean... I, I, I tweeted something, you know, are they going to start burning books and taking down monuments? Uh, oh, they're already doing that. It's craziness. You can't do that. If you want to learn history, you know, you need to have those things around in order to learn history. See what the times were like back with Gone with the Wind. That is a real clear indication of the way they thought back then. And it's really interesting to learn from that and go, wow, you couldn't do that today. You shouldn't do that. Or this shouldn't be that way. Or it's really interesting that way. So, um, yeah, we had those we had those conversations, and um, uh, he saw the film, and and uh, it was a very powerful film for him, and and uh, I was really proud to get it out there, and um, it's still out there, and people are watching it and talking about it still. Yeah, powerful is definitely a good word to describe that, Dean. I watched it with my wife, and we were just, uh, you know, it, it's a, it's a difficult movie to get through uh, in, in a lot of places, but uh, you know what I wanted to ask you too is, that do you does your son is he on social media? Does he have his account? Do you tell him, hey? Don't follow me on there because sometimes you get destroyed on Twitter. Like, does he ever text you, hey, dad, look at this one? Like, how does he deal with that? Well, I never get destroyed. I get attacked. <laughs> and it doesn't bother me. I just ding, 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 ding. Uh, I love the way you respond to the stuff. <laughs> well, the thing is, I explain to him, I go, look, he's not on social. He's on a little bit of social media, like Instagram. He's not on Twitter. He does, you know, he doesn't talk politics. He stays out of that as much as he can um, because he sees how people react to it. And it's such a 
hot topic for so many people. But I go, listen, I'm gonna, I'll, I'll even explain to him. I go, look, you, I'm your dad. You love me. You think highly of me. I, you know, I have no hate in my heart for people. I'm gonna say something here on Twitter and watch what happens. And I would say something like, you know, defunding the police is insanity. And then he's, I go watch the responses and I show him the responses. You sucked as Superman. I'm like, that's an ad hominem attack. Somebody <laughs> doesn't want to deal with my argument. Um, you're fat now. You can't. I'm like, this is another person won't want to deal with my argument. Your politics suck. I'm never gonna watch another one of your movies. Hate. I'm like, so this, see the tolerance. See what happens. I go, look how it affects me. Do I want people to like me? Sure. Do I want them to like me so, so much so that I will pander to whatever I think will, will get me and make me popular? Absolutely not. I said, you need to be able to stand on your own. You know what's right. And I'm never mean to anybody in response. I won't tell them this, that, or the other. I'll make fun of them a little bit or poke at them a little bit or express, you know, or look at their bio, which says, you know, I'm a lover of all people, and I just want America to be like <laughs> rainbows and unicorns. And they're like, you suck so bad. I hope your kids, you know, explode on the street. You know, like, wow, um, not really a lover of all people, apparently. Or you fake Christian. When they start attacking my religion, I'm like, I don't, I don't, what is a fake Christian anyway? I don't even get it. Um, but you get those sort of things, and, and he gets it. So I keep him off of social media. I keep him off of uh, that stuff right now because I think it's as much as I can. He's going to be 20. He can do whatever he wants to. But I, I counsel him on being careful with those things. Listen, I'm so, I mean, they just fired a kid off the, uh, the flash for some stupid stuff that he said back in the day. I don't know how old he was, but I think that just is crazy. You can't whitewash everything. Does everybody have to go through and not have an opinion um, ever? You know, I, so I, I, my advice to all young people is stay off of social media as much as you can. And, and, and even when you're older. Stay off of it because people are going to find reasons to attack you. Yeah, I, I wish it would. I mean, it, 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 there is so many benefits of it. Just from speaking for myself, I never had social media until I got this podcast. That's when I started doing social media. And I couldn't believe what I saw. I was like, wow, look at this stuff. This is insane. But it's helped me tremendously with trying to get the word of my podcast out there. And I don't understand really why anybody's on there that's not trying to really promote stuff or – you know, it doesn't have like some type of presence or purpose. If you're on there, so many people are on there just specifically for to, to tear people down. I love when you put like, uh, oh, you seem nice, you know, and it's like a person <laughs> writes like a whole paragraph. It's like, man, it's it, it's wild, man. It really is. And um, you know what? Now that, you know, your son, college uh, kid now, he'll be on his own very soon here. Are we ever going to see some type of a, a dating Dean Kane reality show down the line here? Anything coming up like that? <laughs> you know, uh, those shows are I can't watch them. I can't watch them. I see The Bachelor and stuff, and I think to myself, listen, there are really great people that go on these shows, I guess, but are they going on there because they want to be an actress or an actor and that sort of a thing? Or are they going on there because they really want to fall in love? I'd love to fall in love and get married and so on and so forth, but I wouldn't want to, you know, reality television, I've done two shows like that, but they're both competition shows, like real competition shows. I did Stars Earn Stripes, so I'm out there with military guys. Chris Kyle was my partner, and we went through military-inspired uh, missions and we had to learn all, all live fire all everything so that was amazing to me and we were judged on how well we shot and how fast we got through the courses that's it the, the you know we weren't pandering to the public going hey vote for me um so i did that and i did a show called the jump for the uk which was alpine you know uh, winter uh mostly skiing events and you had to compete in time trials and things and races that's how you win again it wasn't like who's the most popular when I look at these things and I know how they work, even in those situations, they're like, how do you feel? I'm like, that was awesome. That was great. 
And they're like, can you just say that's awesome and leave it there? I'm like, like take two? Are you kidding? No. I'm, you got it. That's it. And they do that, and I'm sure they do that tons on those shows. So no was the answer. Is the answer? I guess. I guess I could have just said no. But uh, I, I'd love to fall in love and have it be a wonderful thing. And um, but I, but I, I don't think a television show, a reality show, is the place to find that for me. Now those other people, great. I think like one marriage has worked out of all of the. Maybe maybe I'm wrong, but I think it, it's not very. Uh, There's um, been a few. I, I've had a few of the guys on here that have uh, had kids with the uh, woman that they met. Some of them have met. Uh, girls that they weren't particularly in that episode, but they met at a reunion and they and, and they ended up getting married. I just uh, 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 Jesse uh, uh, Sinsack I just had on. So like there, there's been some successful stories from it, but the, the stories that I hear from it are kind of wild. Um, and and, and <laughs> just getting just getting back to you here as a dad, uh, Dean. What, what what were the the main values that you were hoping to instill in Christopher growing up, and how has it played out? Well, I think integrity is one of the biggest. Uh, values that, that I could ever try to instill in him. And uh, he's done a great job with that. His, he has, you know, he's overcome some hurdles and some obstacles, and we've had some issues with that. But I, that's the biggest thing I tell you. Like, your word is, that's it. That's your word. Your word is your bond. So if you say something, you darn well better get it done. And I probably didn't use the word darn. Um, you know, you get it done. And, and he has done a really nice job with that. And he learned that also, you know, he's a jujitsu uh, practitioner and he ties me up in knots and stuff like that. And it's fun, uh, especially for a lanky 175 pound, six foot two kid. You know, I'm 225. I can throw him around, I can, but then all of a sudden I get tired and he just calmly waits and starts moving around. So that sort of discipline is the thing that I also taught him and never giving up and persistence um, and also being kind to people, you know, uh, and he is, so he had worked at this store. Um, he worked at a, as a, as a cashier at a store, um, at a restaurant. I, I didn't tell him to get the job. This was a couple years back and he did it on his own for whatever reasons he did. So, but he went in there by himself. I drove him to his, his, uh, his interview. I didn't go in. He interviewed, filled out the paperwork, did the thing, got the job, did the job, was doing it for a long time. And then decided finally when he was doing so much with school and jujitsu, they didn't have time to do it after a long time. So I'd never even went in there. We went in there one time to get pizzas and stuff and some food for my cousin's or my niece's birthday party. He walked in there and it was like the Pope walked in. Christopher! People were coming out from the back and hugging him. And to see the relationships that he built there as a co-worker with everybody else doing his thing I was, it, it almost brought me to tears in the weirdest way. I'm like, we're walking into his work and people are going, hey, Chris, and I start crying. I mean, what a baby I am. But I was so proud of his interaction with other people and how he was clearly loved and respected by his coworkers because he did his job and he held his part and, and, and was a good, nice person. So that, that to me spoke volumes. And I just, I, my heart just exploded. And it's a weird thing, you know, your kid scores a touchdown, you cry. I walk into my kids' work and I all hug him and I cry. What a baby. But I was, proud I, was of him. I think it's a big testament to you as a father, too, Dean, to see that type of reaction. And I would imagine that's why a lot of it got to feel good uh, to know that you have done right by him and his life. And what kind of, you know, what kind of project, you know, what's next for you here, Dean? What, what kind of Ooh. goals or plans do you have for yourself here for the future? Well, I got a lot of, I got a lot of plans. I got a lot of goals. Um, and, but I've also learned that uh, those things can shift at the blink of an eye. And uh, I didn't know that back in the day. I remember getting asked questions when I was, you know, on Superman. What do you see yourself in 10 years? 
And like an idiot, I answered those questions. I would never answer. I would just, in 10 years, I hope I'm alive. And I hope things are going well. Uh, that's about it. Uh, but um, I have tons of plans, lots of projects that I've written, lots of producing. Because everything's been shut down for a while for this whole pandemic, we haven't been filming anything. So I've been doing a lot of writing, a lot of projects, putting things together. I've got eight projects in the works. I still have uh, Masters of Illusion on the CW that I host, which is a magic show. I can't do any magic. Um, so I watch it and I appreciate it like everybody else. I need some other stuff with, you know, Christmas Caroler Challenge, some fun things that I host. Um, but I've got I've got a couple of films that I've put together, um, a, t a television series or two or three, um, including some stuff uh, uh, based around the police and some other things like that. Not not like a reality show with me or anything like that, but a show based around like the number of unsolved murders and things like that. Lots of excuse me, lots of fun things that I find interesting and fun. Um, and doing more documentaries. I've done two documentaries that I've executive produced. One was called Architects of Denial about the Armenian Genocide, and that was amazing. Um, and then the other one was, is called Hate Among Us, which just got nominated uh, for a daytime Emmy. So I'm very proud that that project is currently nominated. I don't know if we're going to win. I hope so. Um, but being nominated, I can put Emmy-nominated producer on my resume now. Uh, <laughs> that's how I want to be introduced. Emmy-nominated producer. Um, it's pretty cool, um, and it deals with the, the rise of anti-Semitism, uh, both here in the United States and in Europe, specifically mostly in France is where we concentrated. But we were all over the place filming that, and it was, uh, it was, it was pretty eye-opening. It's really against hate, which couldn't be more timely uh, at this time because there's so much hate bubbling just under the surface for a lot of people. And I don't think some of them even know what, they, what they're so angry about. Um, it's, it's, it's hard to say. Um, so, but this obviously deals with the hate targeted toward, toward Jews, uh, specifically. And that's, that arose from the Armenian genocide, uh, production that we did because, um, it was all denied and buried and nobody acknowledged that genocide took place. Uh, and, and Adolf Hitler, when he was discussing his final solution said, after all, who remembers the Armenians? That's to paraphrase him, but he thought, you know, following that same playbook, he could get away with eliminating the Jews. And so the, the less we talk about genocide, um, the, the more they sweep it under the rug and make it more possible. So that's we were trying to shine a light and educate. Same with Hate Among Us, trying to shine a light and educate, and we'll see what we, we come up with next. Yeah, I look forward to that. Yeah, I got to tell you what, I respect the hustle. You're, you're always so busy. You're always putting out so much work, quality work. And uh, Emmy nominated Dean Kane here. Uh, listen. Uh, last thing I want to hit you with, uh, I love to ask all the dads. I've asked you second round at this. What type of advice do you have uh, for the new dad or for that about to be father who's out there listening? Woo! Well, good luck. <laughs> That's the first <laughs> thing. Uh, you can't ever be prepared. I have a lot of people go, I'm not ready to have a kid. I'm not ready. To You're never ready. You're never ready for what it is. Uh, but it is the most wonderful and rewarding experience that I've ever had. And I hope and pray that it is for, for the new fathers out there. I would say be patient. Be patient with your kid. Be patient with yourself. Be patient with your partner. There's going to be a lot of sleepless nights. There's going to be a lot of worry. There's going to be a lot of tears. There's going to be a lot of um, waste product. There's going to be a lot of frustration. Be patient with that stuff. Be forgiving to yourself and your partner and to your child and just Give love and, and encouragement and guidance because you're everything to this little person. And everything you do, even if you think they're not paying attention, they're paying attention. They hear your crosswords. They hear your the way you deal with the dogs. They hear the way they model things after you. 
So be aware of the human being you're creating. You have a tremendous responsibility. If you do it right, the world's going to be a better place. Yeah, very well said. I love the message. It's been a big honor for me, Dean. I can't tell you how much I appreciate your support of the podcast over the years here. And thank you so much for giving me a few minutes of your time here on First Class Fatherhood. Alec, I am honored. Congratulations to you. Great platform. Great people you're having on and a great message. Uh, I'm honored to be a part, my friend. Back to wrap things up here on First Class Fatherhood. I got to give a special thank you once again to Dean Kane for returning to the show here. It was such an honor. Please hit me up on Twitter, guys, or drop me a DM on Instagram. Let me know what you thought about today's episode. I always love to read your feedback. Keep it locked in. Tomorrow on the podcast, Kyron Gibson. The videos of him teaching his young son about finances and investing have gone viral on social media. Don't forget to check me out on Instagram, at Alec underscore Lace, so you can find out all the upcoming guest announcements. That's all I got for you guys today. I'm Alec Lace. Thank you for listening to First Class Fatherhood. And please remember, guys, we are not babysitters. We are fathers. And we're not just fathers. We are first class fathers. Your half-truths and tales As tall as a tree's Had a soft feeling so